On Good Friday, uh, we read from Luke 22 and 23, um, the Last Supper, the betrayal, the capture, the court case, the crucifixion, and finally, the death of Jesus. And just a quick recap, two things that we learned, two things that we took away from Friday about the death of Jesus was that an innocent man died a guilty death, and secondly, he died willingly. Why? Because Jesus was just and sin needed to be punished. And he was willing to die and take that punishment. Why? Because he loves us. And it's really these two characteristics around Jesus that we've seen throughout the whole um, gospel of Luke. It's his justice and his love. By dying on the cross, the the penalty for sin was paid, and he did it because of his love for his people. And it's honourable if you think about what Jesus did. Right? It's it's honourable because you go, wow, what, what what a sacrifice that he made for me. Wow, what a great guy! What 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 an amazing thing! You know what what amazing the depth of love that he had for me. And and if. If Luke and the story of Jesus finished at Luke 23, at the death of Jesus, then the way, that's the way we would describe Jesus. Wow, what a, what a great guy. You know, he, he died for my sin. Wow, that's so nice of him. But sad we lost him. You know, sad that he had to die in the end. Look at all the amazing things that he did during his life and he sacrificed right to the end. What a guy. And and, and if if the story finished there, then that's how we would remember Jesus. As a a hero, as as someone that was willing to sacrifice for his people. But we know that that's not where the story ends. The story of Jesus doesn't end at his death. And so today we, we go to Luke chapter 24, the last chapter of Luke. We finish up our, our whole Luke series today. And we're going to read through 24. And I'm going to let Scripture speak today. Um, so many times we, especially in sermons, uh, so many times we skimp out on the Scripture reading. Um, but I really want to let Scripture speak today more than anything else. And so whether you've heard this for the first time or whether you've heard this for the hundredth time, I want you to hear with fresh ears today the resurrection of Jesus. Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 12. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces on the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. 
Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven, the eleven disciples, and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Now, this is where we take a moment to breathe and think. What just happened? What did we just read? The tomb was open. The bodies, the body, the bodies, the body was gone. And the angels appeared. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, be raised again. Remember, you were already told this. Jesus will be crucified, and on the third day, he will be raised again. Remember? And I love verse 8. Then they remembered his words. So the women who are confused at best, they go back to the disciples and they go, hey, guys, you're not going to believe this. Stone's gone. Body's gone. Met some angels. We suddenly remembered something that we were told. And I love the, I love the response we see in verse 11. Right? There's a whole bunch of, most likely a whole bunch of guys, right? But they did not believe the women. Because their words seemed to them like nonsense and they seemed too emotional. Sorry, that's a joke. That's not, in the, that's not in the Bible. Peter really doesn't trust women. That's why he, he wasn't married. <laughs> so Peter's like, that's gibberish. That's all emotional talk. I'm going to go see for myself. And so he goes and sees. And what does he see at the tomb? Exactly what the women saw. And you've got to love verse 12. And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Peter was not the sharpest tool in the shed. He wasn't the brightest crayon in the box. Right? So the women tell him, Pete, he's gone. Pete's like, I don't believe you. I'm going to go look for myself. And he goes, and he goes, hmm, he's gone. And he walks back going, hmm, scratching his monkey head. Hmm, I wonder what happened. I wonder what happened. But I think this is the, like, you know, it's hard for us to really understand what it would have been like for the women and what it would have been like for the disciples in this very moment. Sometimes I was trying to think of an example of, you know, like when you're just so confused, right? And, and, and a, th- a few examples came to mind and I had to 
Okay, don't use that one because that's offensive. Don't use that one because I want to stay married. Don't use that one because I love my children. You know, don't use that one because you're going to lose your job at the church, right? And then I thought, okay, there's, you know, I was like, yeah, imagine you buried someone. And no, 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 don't go there. You know, that's a bit confronting. But I, I found an example just completely perplexed. I was watching TV one day. And I was watching the footy because I love the footy. And I was eating a box of one of my favorite snacks, um, TV snacks, malt sticks, the orange box, $3 at Woolworths, sometimes 2 for $4 when they're on special. And I'm eating and I'm so, I'm so engaged in the TV show, the footy, I'm just doing this. And then... There was a moment where I put my hand in and it's gone. And it's completely empty. And so I break concentration from watching the TV and I look down and I see an empty box. And I was like, what? What just happened? And I kid you not, in that moment, I looked to the side to look for my kids. Because I was like, have they been eating my chocolates? And I, there was no one in the room. And then there was this like X-Files moment and it was like, oh my gosh. Someone is stealing my chocolates. And I can't even see them. I kid you not, I thought I was tripping. I thought I was like, something was going on in my mind. I was so confused, right? Now, that's a silly example, but can you imagine, right? The body should have been in the tomb. Logic, right? Humanity says, when someone dies, that is it. So with the expectation to go and see the dead body, the tomb is empty. As much as we think, oh, you know, girls, Jesus did tell you, I don't think we can fault the women at all. I think if we were there, we would have been as perplexed, as confused as the women. And I think that's the natural response. I think that's how we would have responded. The problem with us now is, but we've read the whole story. We've heard it so many times that Jesus, you know, coming back from the dead is just the same as the sun coming up in the morning. It's like, yeah, of course Jesus, you know, rose on the third day. That's why, you know, we eat Easter eggs. You know, like it's it's just something that we've accepted. But today, I want you to hear it and I want you to understand, wait a minute. This is not normal. I think Jesus knew this about the women and the disciples. So as you keep reading, he actually turns up to the disciples. Let me read verse 36 to 43. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? Why do, you doubt, why do doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. 
touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he, said, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything to eat? And they gave him some Easter eggs and broiled fish. But he preferred Easter eggs. And he took and ate it in their presence. If Jesus turned up right here, right now, right next to me, you would not be going, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hey, Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of you would absolutely freak out. Some of you would run out the door. Some of you would faint. Like, you'd just be like... And that's what it was like for the disciples. So when, they, when it says they were startled and frightened because they saw a ghost, you've got to understand that's what it would be like. And yet Jesus, I think he's really gentle. You know, I, I don't see Jesus turning around and going, you idiots, I told you I was going to be back. Give me some food. You know, I think he was so gentle with his disciples. The disciples were so confused. They were so perplexed. And Jesus turns up and he says these words, peace be with you. He says, hey, I know this is hard to believe, but look at my hands. Look at my feet. I'm real. I'm here. How can I? I'm not a ghost. I'm not an optical illusion. I'm hungry. Let's have some food. And he meets the disciples in their state of, com of confusion and, and just, you know, chaos. And I think that's been one of the themes of Jesus throughout his whole life, is that he meets you where you're at. The story of Zacchaeus. He met Zacchaeus where he was at. The story of, of, of the man that was uh, demon-possessed with legion, he met that person where that person was at. And in the same way, Jesus meets each and every one where we're at. Because we're all in different spaces. Some of us come to Easter just because it's Easter. Some of us come to church just because it's time to go to church. Some of us are here to acknowledge the Lord. Some of us are here to worship Him. Some of us are here because we need Him. It doesn't matter. The, the point is this. Jesus knows and He meets you where you're at. Are you scared? Jesus will meet you there. Are you sick? Jesus will meet you there. Are you doubting? Jesus will meet you there. Verse 44, then he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power on high. Once again, Jesus assures them 
that this was all a part of the plan. And he has always been in control of the situation. He comforts them in a time of confusion and fear, reassures them that he is real. Now, why is the resurrection of Jesus so important? It's not just a party trick. Why is it so significant? Like, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and mine. At that point in time, he paid for your sin. When God saw you, he, made, he saw the justified Christ in you. So why was it important that he came back to life? Well, number one, it was prophesied. It was foretold that he would come back to life. So he, he needed to follow. It was part of the plan. But secondly, it shows that he, his authority was over death was definite. You know, during the time of his life, Jesus did raise some people from the dead. And you go, wow, he, he's really powerful. And yet when he came back from the dead, it showed us a level of power and authority that Jesus had. See, something that we forget a lot of the time because we live in what we call the physical realm is the spiritual realm. And the spiritual realm is this always, it's this battle between good and evil, between God and Satan. And the enemy, the enemy's greatest weapon, do you know what the, the greatest weapon that the enemy has over man and God? It's death. The worst thing that the devil can do to you is to take away your life. And so when Jesus died on the cross, at that point, the enemy Satan thought that he had won because the Son of Man had died. And yet, three days later, Jesus comes back. He's raised from the dead, showing that his power is not just over death, but is over the enemy. Shows us that the, the power and authority that, that, that he has is even greater than the enemy's greatest power and, and of death. In 1 Corinthians 15, 55 Paul says, where, O oh, death, is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the worst thing that can ever happen to you that comes from the enemy is death. But when Jesus rose from the dead and conquered death, that fear is no longer there anymore. Why is that important? It means that when you believe in Jesus and when you follow him, there is nothing to fear, not even death. Now, we fear death. Death is a very scary thing for us because it's very unknown to us. As much as, and you know, we can read over and over what scripture has to say to us, but really, you know, really like, no one wants to die. You know, that is our reality. No one really wants to die because there's so many things that we don't know about it. And yet, scripture tells us. Death is not the end. And Jesus models that for us. Death is not the end. One last miracle to show us once again that Jesus is Lord over all. 
Over the last 10 weeks, we've been going through the Gospel of Luke. And let me just wrap up the Gospel of Luke on this Easter Sunday. Luke 1, 3, 4. This is what Luke started with. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. This was the purpose of Luke's writing to give an orderly account based on careful investigation into the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. What Luke did was he put together a summary of all the things that he had heard, all the things that he had seen and witnessed, and he puts them together for his friend Theophilus to read so that Theophilus would know the certainty of the things that he was being taught. Can I tell you, friends, Luke did not give us this gospel to share facts about Jesus, but he gave us the facts about Jesus so that we would be confident in what we believe and that you would choose confidently to follow Christ. And that's been the goal throughout this series. This series was never about learn more about Jesus up here. It was always about the more that you know about him, the the truth that is right in front of us that would lead you to be more confident to know that Jesus is real, that Jesus is Lord, and because that's the case, that he is the only one worth following. There's something about Jesus that is beyond this world and sometimes beyond our own understanding. And so when we stand before Him, it allows us to humble ourselves before Him and say, you know what? You are worth following. And that's where the series ends. With a personal choice. You have all the facts. The Bible is more accessible than ever before. It's all there. Historical writings of Christianity, it's all there. Theological summaries of the Scriptures, it's all there. But it all comes down to this one question. It's not about what you know. The question is, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Luke 9, 18 to 20. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowd say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked. What about you? Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Friends, every single one of us will have to answer this question. Who is Jesus to you? It's not, what do you know about Jesus? It's not, how long have you been going to church? It's not, you know, what does everyone else Think about Jesus. It's not what does your family background say about Jesus? What have you read? You need to make a decision for yourself, not even your spouse, not even your parents, not even your children. An individual decision 
about who Jesus is for you. And depending on this decision, the consequences are literally the difference between heaven and hell. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross for your sin, and that because of that, that when you put your faith in Him and you follow Him, that you receive the forgiveness of your sins, and that you can be made right with God, if that's what you believe, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, the consequence of that is life, life to the fullest and life everlasting. But any other opinion about Jesus, whether you just pure reject him, whether you just think, oh, you know, he was just a good person, whether you think, oh, he was just a historical figure, or, you know, he, he just a good teacher of morals and values, any other opinion than Jesus is my Lord and Savior will not lead you back to God the Father. It will lead you to an eternity of separation from God. Big choice with even bigger consequences. Friends, my prayer and hope is this, that you would believe Jesus is who he says he is. That you would believe in all of his power and his might. In all his love and compassion. And that you would choose to trust him as Lord and Savior. Let him dictate your life and for you to live for him. Live for his glory and his kingdom and no longer your own. To recognize that Jesus is the Son of God. And to recognize that there is nothing in this world that comes even close to following Jesus. That he is worth following, even if it were to cost you everything. Even if it were to cost your life. Knowing that death is not the end. Death is not defeat, but is the beginning of eternity. This morning, especially as we celebrate Easter Sunday, Remember that it's not a theoretical or a theological idea that we're talking about. Jesus didn't, Jesus didn't um, come back from death for the sake of putting on a show. He came back to life for you. He died for you. He came back to life for you. It's personal for him. And I think something we need to know is that it's personal for us as well. I pray that this Easter, that it would really be more than just a day off, a holiday, but it'd be a time to recognize and realize once again who Jesus is, who he is to me, and that you and I would submit under his authority, under his lordship, and be loved by him. Let's pray.